Now you're recording the call. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to start super laid back, so don't be nervous. Are you nervous? I'm I'm not. I don't get nervous anymore about anything. Okay. It's not worth it. (laughs) Well, welcome to another exciting episode of Leadership Rx to those of you who are tuning in. This is the podcast where we explore the intersection of healthcare, leadership, feminism, and inclusivity. Today, I'm thrilled to have a very special guest joining us. Kristen, aka KJ, (laughs) is a senior instructional designer at Healthcare Startup. She has a background in graphic design, and she has a really remarkable journey to share that I think we can all take so much from. So KJ, thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. (laughs) I'm excited. Um, So for everyone listening, KJ and I met on a Teams call where I wanted to get her opinion on something we had never met before. She sent me an invite for a 30-minute call. And an hour and a half later, (laughs) I think, um, I knew we had to do this podcast. So we had touched on, in that call, female mentorship, nonlinear career trajectories, mental health awareness, (laughs) your journey with MS. Am I missing anything else? I think that's probably it. Um, if you if you can't tell, I'm a bit of a chatty person. Yeah, <laughs> me too. That's that's honestly what I used like the only thing that I used to get in trouble for in school on my report card was that I talked too much. So I think this is fitting that I ended up here. So um, I have to say I was prepping for this and completely stalking your CV that you sent me. So before we get into the career stuff, I know I didn't ask you. I sent you show notes, and this was not included, Mm -hmm. Um, but I noticed that first you got your undergrad in business administration, then you got your master's in multimedia management, media arts, and technology. So could you just, before we get started on the career stuff, can you just walk me through a little bit about that path? Um, Because I feel like that in itself is super unique and probably played into where you ended up in your career. Yeah, so um, I went for media, or I went for um, marketing and entrepreneurship for my undergrad. As a kid, I was that kid who was always drawing. I knew I wanted to do something creative. I watched Bob Ross videos at 15 to teach myself how to paint. Um, I made no. Totally see you doing that, (laughs) by the way. (laughs) Yeah, like happy little trees were my mantra when I was 15 years old. Um, and then, you know, I just, I loved it. Like I knew my whole life I was going to do something creative. Um, but my mom is a single mom. She didn't go to college. She wanted to make sure that I got a a good job out of college. So she really pushed me to start in the business side of things. Okay. Um, I don't know if I went, you know, back 20 years, if I, if I would have done that, but also I wouldn't be where I am today without that journey. So Um, I knew I really wanted to to start my own business or do something creative. I just knew I wanted to succeed in in something. Yeah. And so I did undergrad in marketing and then um, I went to a small uh, private school in Pittsburgh and they had a brand new entrepreneurship program. It was this businessman in Pittsburgh. He had more money than he knew what to do with. And he went 
he went to Duquesne and he said, I want to start this business. More kids need to understand entrepreneurship and just kind of the basics of business, you know, not focusing on one specific thing, but knowing, you know, from the ground up, how do you, how do you start something? So I decided to dual major in marketing and entrepreneurship and I would go back and do the entrepreneurship program again in a heartbeat. It was amazing. It wasn't like these PhDs who were teaching these classes. He brought in all business people working in the field. We had to write business plans. We had to do guerrilla marketing. So like I had this cool foundation of business when I came out, but again, still had that passion for design. So I I started um, working out. I couldn't really find a job out as soon as I graduated, you know, like every other you know, yeah. 22, 23 year old, you're looking for something. And my aunt is actually, was actually an FBI agent for a cybercrime company. She worked for the FBI, but she worked with this cybercrime company. And she was like, Hey, if you want to get into just like admin to start, get your feet wet, you know, um, I, I they'd probably hire you. And I was like, I mean, I'm 23 looking for a job. Like, absolutely. And so I started there and then, you know, I think we'll get into a bit of my, my mentors and things like that. And there was a woman there that just kind of completely took me out of my shell. Um, You were talking about how you were chatty in high school and, you know, you couldn't stop talking. I was the shyest person you will ever meet until I was 24 years old. Okay. That is so hard for me to believe. (laughs) Nobody (laughs) believes it when they talk to me. Um, I would get heart palpitations. I would get sick to my stomach. I hated it. I went to a really small um, private school. I graduated with 11 kids um, in high school. So, like, didn't have, like, a ton of um, experience with, like, a lot of people. Yeah. So I was just a really quiet kid, Um, really quiet, really shy, through college, came home every weekend, you know, focused on my studies, things like that, but wasn't super outgoing. Um, and then, you know, I think I know we're going to get into mentors, but I met this woman at my first job and she completely took me out of my shell. Within two years, I was, you know, talking to everybody, had no problems. And that's when I decided, you know what, it's time for me to jump into my real passion. And I got to do some of those things um, at my job, even in admin, like they knew I loved it. So I was helping to build presentations and working in, um, you know, the, they didn't have a marketing department. So I was doing, you know, flyers and things for them. And then I was like, you know, now I have to really go back and do this. Um, yeah, I decided to go back and get my master's in multimedia technology. Uh, my college had a couple of different paths. So I chose multimedia management, which was kind of the, um, graphic design path. So I took graphic design, I took media arts um, classes, I learned Photoshop and Illustrator. I took an instructional design course, I took a media law course. So it was just kind of like a a good foundation for everything. Um, And then I worked full time and went at night to school. And then I really, once I graduated, um, I was asked by some colleagues to move over to their startup. So as their graphic designer. So that was kind of my first foray into actually, you know, my first graphic design job. I was like 27, maybe 26. Mm-hmm. Um, there were five of us when we started. So it was pretty cool. I got to be on the ground floor. You know, I knew some of the admin stuff, so I kind of helped. But I was really able to, they were another cybercrime company. 
and I was able to work with some of the Fortune 100 clients to build reports and um, I did some really neat things. So it was a great opportunity to get started. Um, but after a few years, I just, it was a lot of, a lot of men, a lot of just government thing. Like I just wanted to do more. So I moved on and I, I got a job with a, um, education company actually working for, um, building, building, graphics and images and things like that for students in Dubai, actually, of all places, who were learning math and science in English. So we got to take curriculum and build these things. And then sadly, they lost their contract with that, with um, Dubai, <laughs> the country. <laughs> and so they had some problems and they had to kind of close the business. So I lost my job. And that is where my career actually started. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, maybe we can chat up a little bit later, like getting laid off was one of the best things that's ever happened to me, which you wouldn't necessarily say that or think that, but you know, I am where I am today because I got laid off five years ago. Okay, so one follow-up question that I wanted to ask on that before we move on was, you mentioned this female, mentor figure that you had Mm -hmm. who worked in the FBI. (laughs) I was not expecting that. (laughs) Um, so can you just tell me, you don't have to go into a ton of detail, but just if there was like one takeaway, cause it seems like you had a huge transformation with her. Yeah. Like what was the biggest thing that she said or the biggest lesson that she taught you that helped you to deal with that? Because I honestly, I have a lot of that when it comes to like public speaking Mm -hmm. and people don't, they're, people are usually surprised by it because one-on-one and in small groups, I'm just like an open book. Sure. So. Yeah. She, um, I call her my first professional friend and you know, now she's one of my very best friends to this day. Um, I was right out of college, obviously I was sitting at the front desk actually and you know, as a 23-year-old, do I'm I allowed to get up from my desk? I'm afraid to talk to people, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And the FBI unit that, it, it's a long story, but basically the FBI, you know, sat within this space, this nonprofit space. So there were about 20 of them. And every day she came to my desk and asked me if I wanted to eat lunch with them. And I was petrified. And for three months, I said no. <laughs> Because I was just like, I can't eat with 20 people. And she came up to me one day and said, this is the last day I'm asking you to eat lunch with me. Get up and come have lunch with us. And so I said, okay. And the rest is history. Like, they were the nicest people. We sat at lunch every day in a big conference room, you know, U-shaped tables, everybody talking to each other. We watched Price is Right sometimes, <laughs> you know, like just super chill. And that was my first, you know, opportunity to really like talk to colleagues like and networking. people yeah. and like networking almost. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, she just was like, girl, if you don't get up, you're going to regret it and you need to just do it. Yeah. And so I did. And it was just that, you know, having another woman who saw that I was like struggling, Mm -hmm. you know, and she was like, no, this is it. I asked you, 
I'm not asking you again, but like you need to because it's mm-hmm. important and we're, you know, it's going to be a good time. It's not scary. Um, and yeah, so that was 15, 15 years ago. And I have lunch with Marty once a month. She's one of my very mm-hmm. best friends. Um, she's been with me through my MS struggles, my layoffs. She's had her own struggles. We are just like, best friends connected yeah yeah I love that I think one of the things that I'm I wouldn't say struggling with right now but just one of the things that I keep coming back to is that there is so much acknowledgement around imposter syndrome and Mm -hmm. around how difficult it is for women um, in terms of being too much not being enough how we're perceived in the workplace Um, If we are more confident, you know, like there's plenty of studies that show that when we do assert ourselves, then we get poor ratings. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I like everyone widely acknowledges imposter syndrome. But I think what we're lacking is like tangible things that we can do to make it better without hurting ourselves professionally. And so it seems kind of like that's what she embodied in your life was like someone showing you actually what to do um and I I also think with that if I envision myself when I hopefully get to that point in my career looking back at younger women that I'm helping I can understand why she said it to you like that (laughs) because you probably look back with a lot of regret at the decisions that you stewed over forever or like just basically lost time and lost opportunities yeah I don't believe in regret I used to, for sure. I've done a lot of work on myself in the past couple of years. And I will say in my 20s and even early 30s, I was on the struggle bus with myself. And you're, you're totally right. Like, when am I going to finally find something, you know, find a job that's me and I'm starting to build my career? I was that, you know, 4.0, I'm going to go get my master's, like I'm going to succeed. And I was, you know, 30 32 years old, like still not feeling like I had done a whole lot. So back then, yeah, lots of regret. Mm -hmm. Today, I look back on that and just know that'll happen for a reason. Mm -hmm. And I can't have the regrets. I mean, do I wish, you know, at 25, I would have known what I was doing for the rest of my life? Sure. But um, yeah, I just don't believe in regret anymore it's just it's not worth it it's not worth it to my mental health to like look at the past and and wonder Mm -hmm. and um yeah I just I mean of course you get to those points where you're like oh I wish I wish I wish but um I try really hard to just live for the future live for the present Mm -hmm. you know help where I can and and I you made a um a statement just now like helping you know younger people get to that place and I make it you know, I try really hard to welcome people, you know, wherever I am. I think, you know, you saw it when we were talking for, you know, supposed to talk for 30 (laughs) minutes, like you're brand new to our current organization. And I'm like, she needs to know that she's welcomed and she can, you know, call me if she needs to, or know that there are people in the company that, you know, women, um, that are awesome. And we're, you know, just because we're not on the exact same team doesn't mean that, you know, we're not here to help each other. Mm-hmm. So I try really hard to, based on what Marty did for me 15 years ago. I try to say like, if there's someone, you know, coming on board, like give me a one-on-one with them. Like mm-hmm. I want them to know that 
regardless of where we are in the organization, regardless of where we are in our careers, like I am here to, to at least be your friend, you mm-hmm. know, and, and help you where I can and when I can. Mm-hmm. And I think just because I already know you a lot of that is reminding me of your experience at a previous company where you had a really influential leader. So we will get into that. Great. Um, so the last thing I want to mention about that too is, is I think we are navigating this remote virtual mm-hmm. universe now. Yeah. So you're doing what Marty, what Marty did for you, you were doing for me with another layer on it, which is mm-hmm. now the remote aspect of it, which, um, you know, none of us have experience in, and is, is difficult in its own right. So I appreciate you sharing that and for welcoming me. Um, so let's jump into our first question. So sure. your career path, I'm basically going to summarize it here. So mm-hmm. went from graphic design to EA to instructional designer to lead instructional designer within a healthcare startup. It's a fascinating trajectory to me. So could you just tell us a little bit, you've already told us some of the beginnings of it, but just a little bit about your journey and how you found your passion in the healthcare industry. And then maybe, you know, let us know, do you see yourself staying within healthcare? Do you see yourself going into another industry? Mm -hmm. Sure. So when I first, you know, as I mentioned before, I got laid off. Um, I was working in an education company. And again, I was not within a place in my career that I really knew where I wanted to be long term. Mm-hmm. So I got laid off. I could not find a job anywhere. <laughs> I was T minus three weeks to losing my unemployment, um, was applying for anything and everything. And when I first graduated from, from college, I had done admin and HR work and, um, EA work. And so I was applying for graphic design, administrative assistant, executive assistant. And I came across this company, um, and they were a dental organization. They are a dental organization. Um, and I, Googled them. They wanted an executive assistant for the COO and the CHRO. And their mission was just amazing. They led with empathy and, you know, patients first, not business second, but kind of business Mm -hmm. second. And so I applied and I was like, you know, if I have to start as an EA, I have to start as an EA, you know, I, I need a job. So I went and I got an interview I drove to the to the interview and I'm like, you know, I'm going to go into this interview, but I'm going to be I'm going to be honest. So got to the interview. They were talking to me about EA work and things like that. And I was honest from the beginning. I said, you know what? I'm a really good EA. I'm a really organized person. I, you know, I'll I'll give you 100 percent of myself in this job. But please know that I will aspire to be more at this company. (laughs) And I, I think I even said the words like with all respect, don't hire me if you expect me to be the EA for years, because I mean, I was respectful about it, Mm -hmm. but it was, I aspire to be more for your company. I know I can be more for your company. I would love to get in on the ground floor. I think that your company and your mission seem amazing and I would love to work for you, but you know, this is where we are and this is where I am in my journey. And um, they called me like, you know, three days later and offered me the job and I took it and within I think two years, I was the instructional designer, but I, I worked as an EA, you know, I, um, the COO really wrapped her arms around me. Her name is also Kristen. 
and um, you know came in there and I was like hey I'm really good at this stuff you know like use me where you can not being overly you know self-important or anything mm-hmm. like that I believe in you know grace and you know but I'm humility, honest yeah. humility yeah um, but I'm like use me where you can because you're not gonna get in most places you're not getting an EA who's a graphic designer <laughs> so um, like from the get-go within a few weeks I was building PowerPoint presentations I was involved in the operations meetings she let me run the icebreakers and wow. you know do things like that and that just like kind of cracked something within me where I'm like wow like I'm pretty good at like teaching people and you know we'd have check-ins and and she would just say like do you do you realize like you're good at this stuff because I always thought I was gonna be a graphic designer pure and simple designing logos designing flyers you know working yeah. in an agency I didn't and I started doing these things for her and she's like you're like really good at it so I appreciated that so much because I never had somebody I mean I had excuse me I had Marty who told me you know who opened me up in my shell Mm -hmm. but I never had like a woman in business who actually put you know took me under her wing and was like you're really good at this like this is something that you should cultivate and work forward and and you know get into this and I'm gonna let you do it you know she'd she'd miss a call or be late because you know COOs they have so many things Mm -hmm. on their plate and she'd text me and be like can you just get this this started Mm -hmm. you know and so it was just like she let me run with it I was just about to say I feel like she gave you the runway that you needed she absolutely did and I'm the kind of person that it's really hard for me to be micromanaged because I am very accountable to myself. Mm-hmm. I try to be very accountable to myself. Um, it's really important for me to give 100% and show people what I can do as a woman, but also just as a person. Like, that's just really important to me. And so having someone that was just like, go for it, KJ. Like, do it. She also gave me the nickname KJ, <laughs> FYI. <laughs> because her name is KK. <laughs> so she has... Kristen with a K, I was Kristen with a J. So literally everybody in the past five years have called me KJ because of her. <laughs> there were people in my old company who didn't even know my name was Kristen. They actually thought my name was KJ. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I credit her for oh, the nickname cute. also. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, but, I feel like, you know, a lot of what you're saying about that dynamic and that relationship is kind of encompasses some of the advice that I try to give, um, especially nurses and nurse practitioners trying to get into leadership, Mm -hmm. is that it's really about making yourself known. And we've already hit on that as women, you have to be strategic in the way you do that because you can't come off as power hungry or that you're just trying to climb Mm -hmm. the ladder or, you know, you really do have to worry about perception, not as much with other women, but I think it's a known fact. And so once you make it known to the right people, I think it's so much also about like taking on projects and expanding your skill set to see where you are strong and where you're weak. I mean, you obviously knew you were strong in graphic design because you had studied that also. Um, But I think especially for people just starting out on that path, they may not know 
where their strengths and weaknesses lie. And a lot of times it doesn't come with an immediate title change. Mm -hmm. But what I love about your story is that you just try to get your hands in as many things as possible. And I think that's a huge takeaway um, to people who are sort of wondering like where they're going to end up or how they're going to make sense of all of this. Yeah, I think, you know, it may seem like you're asking for more work or something like that, but I was just very like, put me where I needed and I'll tell you where I can help. And um, it's, I'm a huge believer in work-life balance. I don't overdo it. I have MS. I can't overdo it, but I'm very much, where can I be the most effective? Where can I, I want to affect change in this company. So I am very open and honest about that fact. Like, put Mm -hmm. me where I need it. If I have the time, I'll do it. And, you know, so I I was helping the marketing department the other day with Mm -hmm. with something. I mean, you know, just just because I'm your instructional designer, you know, air quotes here, I'm absolutely willing to help where I can. Mm -hmm. But that also, you know, brings you into the minds of the other people you work with and they know like definitely exposure really good yeah exposure across the organization is absolutely which again is like kind of feels like you're promoting yourself like a presidential candidate or something but it's true like you have to advocate for yourself you absolutely do so you had also asked me if you know i'd plan to stay in the healthcare industry if i if i saw that as my future and Unless something crazy would happen, absolutely. I see myself um, there. In my last company, the company was focused on empathy, um, like crazy, empathy first, kindness always. Business is important, but you know, we're focused on the patients and what's most important. And me, you know, you'll, you'll keep hearing me come back to my MS because it's, it's really shaped who I am as a person in a good way. You know, that's what a diagnosis. And like, it's, it's weird to say it's one of the better things that's happened to me because it's, it's really shaped who I am and how I speak and how I act towards other people. And, you know, this, the dental company that I was involved in, I got to take um, a leadership course there and read a book called Leadership and Self-Deception, which I 100% recommend to anybody who is in leadership or looking to be in leadership. Mm-hmm. It just teaches you to stay out of the box and speak with empathy, speak with kindness. Um, it, it's a really good book, but just seeing... Um, you know, how we worked as a company in healthcare and now moving on to, to this new company where we're working with geriatric patients and frail patients. Um, I see myself in that in mm-hmm. a weird way. And knowing that I am able to just, I'm not out in the field, you know, working with patients. I'm not a nurse, I'm not a clinician, but I am helping those who are going into mm-hmm. the field. I'm helping the clinicians, I'm helping the nurses. Um, learn and grow and yes I see myself in that in the future because it's just it's so rewarding to know that I am able to be there for others who are being there for others you know Um, so yeah it would be hard for me to go to just you know some kind of just random company where I'm not getting to help people yeah you know like in the end the end goal is to is to help the person not the consumer, not the, you know, just the person. And 
that's really important to me um, because I've had people take care of me for the past 15 years. Yeah. Neurologists and hematologists and ophthalmologists. And I see like when you find the right doctor, the right nurse, the right even operational team who's helping all of that work, um, you know, you, you really change lives. So I I definitely see myself, you know, moving forward and growing my career in this space. Mm, I love that. I love that. I mean, I of course will be staying in this space for the same reasons. Um, and you know, because I'm an NP, but I, I completely agree. And we couldn't do the job that we do without the support of everyone in the organization, clinician or non clinician. So, um, I love that. So you've mentioned your MS, um, throughout this conversation, but I'm curious, how did your experience with MS shaped your perspective specifically on leadership and resilience? So through my MS diagnosis, um, I've had a lot of struggle. The first, I can say I, you know, praise God every day. I have not had a symptom in seven years, Wow! but that is because of the medicine and the doctors that I found. Mm-hmm. However, my first seven years um, of being diagnosed, I've been diagnosed for 15 years now. So it, it's hard. It's a mental struggle. It's, you know, but it's, it's one of those things where you hear the cliche, you never know what somebody else is going through. Mm-hmm. And so that, it may sound cliche, but it is 150% true. Do I look, you know, if you see me walking outside or you see me at work or you see me speak, do I look, do I look like I'm sick? You know, do I look like my hands and feet used to tingle from top to bottom? Do I look like Mm -hmm. I get nervous when it's too hot outside because you just never know? You know, do I, you can't see the lesions on my brain, but Mm -hmm. um, they're there. Do I have bad days? Do I have mental health struggles? Am I on anxiety medication? Mm -hmm. Have I seen a therapist? Yeah, I have. But the MS has shown me that being strong is a choice I had to make, you know, being empathetic towards, towards people and, and being kind, those are all choices. And, um, you know, I choose to have that towards other people. And I've been able to be part of companies who focused on empathy. Mm-hmm. And so that to me embodies leadership and resilience that, making the choice to be strong, making, even though you might be struggling, but being open and honest enough to say, I'm struggling today. Um, to me, that is leadership. Leadership isn't, you know, starting a call and just being like, this is what we're going to do today. (laughs) Like high five, like, let's all put our hands in. It's saying like, Hey guys, I I might be your manager. I might be your leader. I might be, you know, the manager of this project, but we're in this together you tell me you're struggling, I'm going to listen. I'm going to trust you. There's, I have that empathy. I have that sympathy. If you're going through something, Mm -hmm. you know, know that we're going to get through this together. To me, that's leadership is like, you know, I see the, I see the, um, the memes and the, the graphics where like the leaders at the back of the pack and like that, every time I see one of those, I get chills. I'm like, that resonates. Like I want to be that person who, is pushing them up the hill. I'm not the first person saying like, I'm going to get there first. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like that to me. So like, I've just, I've just seen like through my own struggle, I can help people, you know, that's what leadership and resilience is to me. 
like not knowing what someone else is going through and no matter what being there for them yeah it's like and encouraging them uh, yeah I've I haven't had any major health diagnoses like you have but um I have had some pretty traumatic experiences with patients throughout my career and Mm -hmm. I think I kept going back to that as you were talking because I would I would do the exact same thing like it's like you're putting yourself in the shoes of the teams that you lead and I would remember also the family members of the elderly patients that I care for and like the fact that they had jobs and they were going to work and they were dealing with all of this in the background on top of their own issues and their own immediate family so um thank you so much for sharing that i think it's it's a huge part of leadership and i hate to keep harping on the remote work side of this but i think now more than ever it's so important for people to be cultivating these skills yeah participating in you know i know that we've both we're both traveling and trying to meet with teams in person and i'm doing ride along visits and i think you mm-hmm. have as well um yeah, it's just gosh it's just so good to get with people in person like, it is i would never want to go back to an office full-time <laughs> like don't get me wrong <laughs> me neither <laughs> same <laughs> but there is just a healthy dose of that and and i think it's even harder for us to check in especially with coworkers remotely especially if you're not on camera because we're just yeah. missing so many cues about what that person may be going through that you might pick up on in an office environment. Hey, are you doing okay today? You don't Mm -hmm. seem like yourself, things like that. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, So we've talked about resilience and the impact of strong female mentors. We've spoken about two um, influential mentors throughout your career. Is there anything else that you want to add about um, the influence that they've had in terms of maybe your personal growth we've we've spoken about career growth my mom is my best one of my very best friends um you know you may not i think you automatically think oh your mom's your you know mentor but not not all people have that and uh she was a single mom my parents got divorced when i was five years old she had no college education she started her own cleaning business um, when I was, you know, five years old, you know, my, my dad paid child support, but, um, she, she was the main one, you know, leading us and, and growing us and things like that. And mm-hmm. she showered us with, you know, my sister, I have a sister, she was loving and caring and kind and, you know, but she was also very, like, she held us to really high standards. It was, you know, do my best, um, give your all, always do a little bit more. I always had her support, but I had that voice, you know, you can, you can achieve and you can thrive and you can grow and do more than I did. And she gave up a lot so I could be where I am today. Um, I'm a pretty faith-filled person. So it was, you know, keep the faith. God has plans for you. I know you're struggling. And then, you know, I got diagnosed with MS. I wasn't married yet. I didn't have anybody but her. And so she was with me every step of the way at every doctor's appointment. And, you know, like I've said, I was petrified and super shy when I was diagnosed. And I made her go to the doctor's office. I didn't make her, but she, you know, she was at those doctors with me. And Mm -hmm. so it was just one of those things where I could look up to her and know, like, you're doing everything you can 
and you don't have an education and you have two little kids that you have to take care of and you have two teenagers you have to take care of and you have to you want to get them through college and you want to support them in a job and I just look to her and and see like so much that's where some of that strength and resilience comes from too Mm -hmm. because I've seen it my entire life her struggle but putting others ahead of herself which now at you know I'm 38 years old now and I I try to give it back to her I'm taking her you know on a long weekend with just me and her in a couple weeks like it's just one of those things where it's like I have so much respect for women who just work really hard and yeah. grit and grit like grit and grace is like one of my favorite things. Yeah. You have you have grit and you work really hard but you have that grace and you have that that kindness and so that's that's how I was raised and um yeah, I, I credit her a lot for my personal growth as a person. Yeah. Wow, I love that. I see so much of that in you and your personality and how you lead. Um, so that's amazing. I, I didn't get married until I was 30. I wasn't big on relationships growing up. I just Mm -hmm. was, I was just quieter and I just wasn't, I'd go on a date and I was just, no, I don't like that guy. Like I'm not (laughs) going to go on another date. But, um, I was very much like, I am going to get myself where I'm happy with me. I'm successful enough that I can take care of myself before I need to rely on anybody else. Not that that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I saw it in my mom and I just wanted to be comfortable with myself, happy with my own life. And then it was weird. Like once I did that, I was so much more open to other relationships. Yeah. I met my husband. We were engaged in 11 months and married six months later. We just celebrated seven years and we have a wonderful relationship, but I wouldn't have been there at 27. Like, yeah. I, like my husband will say, I wish I'd met you sooner. I'm like, no, you don't. I wasn't the person that we wouldn't be together if you met me at 27. We wouldn't. I wasn't, I wasn't in a good place. I wasn't, you know, where I am as a person or striving to be a leader or, or anything like that. But, you know, all that to say, I, I credit my mom with that strength that yeah. has just been, you know, instilled in me since I was five years old. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, so want to switch gears a little bit. So I also saw on your CV that you studied abroad all throughout Asia. I did. Um, so one of the questions that I had for you was, how do you navigate the challenges of creating inclusive educational materials and experiences? As I thought about this question, I was curious, like, just from your own perspective, I'm sure that you are trying to be an inclusive leader and you put that pressure on yourself. Sure. But I'm also curious what sort of, if there are industry standards or if there is a push in the industry to create more inclusive materials or if it's just sort of something that you are doing your on your own volition. Um, and then to, sorry, this is like the longest <laughs> question no ever, but to also weave in your experiences in Asia and, and how that may be playing into, um, your career today. Yeah. So let's, let's see here. How do I want to, I want to say this. Um, <laughs> so I don't, let's start with the industry standards. I don't, I, I think we live in a world where inclusivity and all of those things are playing a huge part in society right now. Like it just, it's just where we are. And I think it's amazing. I think it's great. I believe in inclusivity. It's, it's so important to me. Um, 
I don't know that as I as I read, I think it's just kind of standard, you know, make sure you're being inclusive, you're using, you know, all sorts of, of people and places and, and whatnot in your training. But to me, the standards now are more like how you learn, which is like more the micro learnings and the, the short bursts of things is, is kind of what I hear. But for me as a person, um, I love to travel. It is, I, I have been, I planned my passport getting my passport when I turned 18 when I was eight years old you know like couldn't wait to travel I love going to to see different cultures and understanding how other people live and how other people feel when I get there I don't speak any other languages but you know I try not to be quote unquote that American person who just you know like I want to know what is this culture like how should I behave when I'm there what are what are their social cues and things like that and just being kind and and all of those things. So when I had the opportunity in, in college to go for a month to Japan, China, and Hong Kong, I took it. I'm like, I'm never gonna get here on my, I mean, I could get here on my own, but I'm probably not going, like, I can't even read the letters <laughs> by <laughs> myself, you know? Um, so I was able to travel for three weeks and, you know, before we went, so I'm actually just thinking about this right now. I, I started like learning this understanding cultures thing when I was in college before we went we actually had to take like a four-week course on you know the culture and the do's and the don'ts and you know don't wear this color one of my favorite things that I ever learned back then was you know when you're in America if you don't finish your meal if you finish if you don't finish your meal we think like oh you didn't like you didn't like my lasagna or whatever but if you go there and you finish your meal they feel like they didn't give you enough food so we but were that always was the same in all three places. Yeah, we okay. like Asia, kind of Asia. Yeah. So yeah. we learned like, you know, maybe don't like leave a bite or two because then they're happy because they think they've like fulfilled you. you. Yeah. So there are there's just so many little things and that you can can learn from other other cultures and I just try to be really mindful as I design. What are we designing for? Who are we designing for? Now now we're in the U.S. so we're generally designing for for that, but still like just just little social cues and cultural things like it's just it's very important and so to me when I'm designing of course I I need to understand the content and all of that but to me the biggest part of navigating you know the creation of these things is listening like Mm -hmm. I am not um, a subject matter on everything as I told you know as we know before like I'm not a clinician if we're talking healthcare, I, um, I'm not like the VP of operations. So to me, I have to meet when I'm designing a training or I'm building something that's actually going to help our team members. I need to meet with you. Like I need to talk to you. What are we doing here? You know, what are the, we have a lot of different, um, cultural communities in our company. Some of our different markets that we have Russian, we have this, we have that. So I have to, I, I make it a point to cultivate relationships with the other leaders of our company and say like, I need to talk to you before I build this training. We need, really to, have th- we need yeah. to have 30 minutes where even, even if I'm designing a training on scheduling, I need to understand the people who are about going out into the field, do they need more time because they're with someone mm-hmm. of a different culture who's going to talk more? Mm-hmm. Are they going to, you know, so it's, it's really listening creating it's so important to me to create relationships with the people in the business because without the trust and the ability to 
to have a real conversation about what I'm building, it's, it's going to be a superficial training, Mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah. yeah. I mean, as someone who has experienced firsthand your materials, um, they are very inclusive and you can tell that you really understand. I, I think it's such a unique position that you're in because to your point, you're not a subject matter expert. Mm-hmm. You have to be given, you have yeah. to be told exactly what you're building and then you're designing it. And in order to convey it um, with the most, um, in the most impactful way, building those relationships is so key. And honestly, I'm going to go back to the patient, the in-home patient visits or ride along mm-hmm. visits. I just, I can't, I think they are so important and they are. moving forward, um, as I progress as a leader, that is something that I never want to lose sight of. And I always want to prioritize for myself and my teams. Um, yeah, we, we make it a point. We just redesigned our onboarding program, which I think you, you know, but we make it a point that even if you're not a team member who's going into the field, Within your first few weeks, you need to spend three or four days going into the field because if you don't, you're not understanding the patient population that we're serving and just the people in general. You go into someone's house, you're going to learn a whole lot more about them just looking around. I mean, we get to see pictures of their families and... We get to see how they live. Do they have pets? Do they, you know, whatever. Little trinkets from their life, all their travels. Yeah. And that's also (laughs) how we're building trust with these people. Yeah. You know, we may be clinician, you know, you may be a clinician, but they're going to trust you because of how you speak to them about their personal life. They just are. And it is, it's so important. I did a couple ride alongs, um, a few weeks ago and yeah, it's just, it's amazing. Plus for me, with instructional design, I'm also being able to ride along with the clinicians and I can talk to them like in person, like you mentioned, being that in-person connection with me too when I'm doing ride-alongs. I get to see the patients, but I also get to see the people that are working for us and say like, what's working about this stuff and what isn't? What are your, you know, sometimes I just get to talk to our medical directors or whatever. When I go into the field, I get to talk to the people actually doing the job. Mm-hmm. And I get to say, like, what's working? And I I have no, you tell me what's wrong. Like, I don't have any kind of, um, that's the word I'm looking for. I, I don't, I want that feedback. I yeah. want the constructive feedback. And um, yeah, that that's, that's super important. Yeah. So as we've gone through your background and your career, you've successfully combined graphic design now with instructional design and within healthcare. Any tips for people who may be listening, looking to make similar transitions or just who are on a non-linear career trajectory? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think for me, it's be open, be honest, be vulnerable, and be open to feedback. Be open to that constructive feedback. Um, Also, like, work your butt off and be accountable to yourself. No one... You know, it, it may sound harsh, but no one is going to do it for you. Like, hold yourself to those high standards. I will not ever not give 100%. It's just, it's just not in me. Um, you know, work, work hard. But also, find some friends. Like, <laughs> it's okay. I tell my, I say this to my husband sometimes because his company, 
if you can't tell, I try, I like, I like to talk now and you know, <laughs> I am easy. Like I, I like to talk to people. I like to build relationships. It's really important to me. Um, my husband doesn't have as many friends, like friends at work, you know? And for me, that's like so many people do. They don't. Yeah. And honestly, since my last, once I've gotten into healthcare, I have found, well, that's not true. Since Marty, I have found genuine friendships at work. If I talk to you, I mean, we were supposed to meet for a business meeting for 30 <laughs> minutes to talk about, you know, yeah. whatever. And, and we talked about our lives. Like to me, that's, that's because we're people. We're not yeah. just employees, we're people. So to me, it's, yeah, be open, honest, vulnerable, work really hard, but also find some friends because mm-hmm. if you find some friends, you can be honest and, and they can give you tips. Like you work in a completely different different um, department than I do. Mm-hmm. So if I wanna switch gears or I'm like, hey, I, I'd love to learn more about that. Like constantly learn, constantly grow. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, be, be you. Mm-hmm. Like don't be anybody but you mm-hmm. and you're gonna find the right people. So. Yeah. To me, it's just it's just been finding the right people and and being willing to move on if I have to. Yeah. You know that too. Cybercrime was a, a very cool experience, and but it was not the empathetic, kind world that they're dealing with bad guys on the internet. You know, it's not it's not that interpersonal job that I was really looking for. Yeah. So be willing to like do what you have to do for yourself. Yeah. Um, but work hard. I mean, my, my old company, um, loved the idea. My old, another boss I had was very into the term radical candor. So, which is awesome. And I still use it with people to this day because it was, just be, he was the CHRO of our last company and he would join calls and be like, tell me if I'm wrong. Like, I wanna know, be candid with me. Like, you don't have to be unkind or disrespectful, but tell me what's up. And that is who I strive to be as a person. Like, if I design something or I say, like, tell me, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm good. But it's finding those people that you can do that with. Yeah. And that's not a that's not an easy thing to do in the business world. So to me, it's just meeting people, finding some friendships, and and, and working really hard, but being open and honest. Yeah, I think um, it's it's a paradigm shift that we're seeing in terms of maybe we were raised or mm-hmm. taught at some point that being this open or showing yeah. this much emotion etc was not appropriate in a professional setting so I think I shared with you but um, I'm doing an executive education through Yale School of Management and it's it's for women only and we had our first session the other day and it was virtual and then we'll be in person for a week in June mm-hmm. and I'm planning to do a podcast episode on that um, but the hardest part of the entire day <laughs> was we were put into breakout rooms and we had, so there were three of us in each breakout room and we had to speak for six minutes continuously telling our life story. Oh Keep in mind, I knew no one here. Yeah. Um, telling our life story and not mentioning anything about our career or our mm. CV for six minutes. 
So I made it for three minutes. Wow. <laughs> Before and and it was it was next to impossible to not mention my career and yeah. just speak to these women about my personal life that I didn't know and I knew they were very successful executives. So there was a level of like also, gosh, like am I being inappropriate? Well no, I was asked <sighs> to do this and like you yeah. know, all of this probably very unhealthy internal dialogue. Um, and it was, you know, the, the whole point of the exercise at the end of it, it was amazing, like to just see all of the similarities, like we all, so I didn't share that my parents are divorced, but Mm -hmm. both of them did. I went first. And so then after they went, I went back and said, thank you so much for your vulnerability. I wasn't brave enough to share that because I didn't. I didn't know how deep we were going to go into this because sure. I went first and my parents are also divorced and I struggled with yeah. all of the things that you guys both mentioned. And so just when you were speaking, it made me think about that. So I wanted to mention you, of course, would not have had any problem with that. <laughs> I probably, let's be honest. I wouldn't have. I'd, I'd have been like, it, they'd have been like, it's seven minutes. You have to stop. <laughs> So it's funny that you say that because I sort of, sometimes I force people out of their comfort zones when I'm doing icebreakers. Um, we're, we're planning some market meetings for our new company. And I, I already told Chris, I already told Kristen and uh, some other people like, I'm going to make people stand up. Like, just so you know, like, can it's you impor- give me an icebreaker right now? Can, can you test one on me? Well, I just want to tell you like <laughs> what you were just talking about with the Yale thing made me think of this icebreaker that I, that I sometimes make people do, especially people in leadership. We had, um, our old company was the CSLT, so they were the core leadership team. And I had, Kristen had asked me, can you do an icebreaker with them? And I'm like, okay. So I found this icebreaker and it's, it's so wild what people will share if you give them the opportunity. It's, you literally give them a blank piece of paper with um, a prompt at the top that says, draw a graph of your life, making sure that you put in peaks and valleys and you know at least you have to talk to at least five to six important things that have highs and lows that have shaped your life oh my god career or not i didn't say leave the career out but it's wild what people will share with you when you like ask them to and so to me that's what it is you you just have to ask like to me when i meet somebody I ask them about themselves first yeah. because I care about you. Like I want to know you. I found I had known this guy at my last company for three years and I had no concept that he got a horrible divorce from his wife and then got remarried to her two years later. (laughs) But like, it's crazy. You hear people talk about a cancer diagnosis of a family member or a job loss that was was so unexpected on the graph (laughs) right like it's crazy so you literally just draw a graph and then you go around the room and you ask people to talk about themselves and I think so many people are gonna that's gonna go viral now that you're saying but you expect people to just talk about you you expect like okay we're doing an icebreaker like we don't all know each other we're just going to talk about, oh, I got married. Oh, I went to college. Oh, you know, I got my my master's. And, you know, people go deep. Like, it's, I've done this a couple times now. 
And you get you obviously get the people who don't want to share, and that's absolutely fine. Yeah. But I love that icebreaker. Ooh, yeah. A because I will tell you anything clearly about my life. But <laughs> B because it really does it especially a team, you know, a smaller team. This would be very hard to do in a group of 50 people. Yeah. But if you really want to get, because I think it's really important to get to know your team if you're a small team on a personal and a professional level. I'm totally going to do this with my team now. It's, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened to you. Or wow, that's so awesome. You know? I feel like especially with us, I'm going to be like, I can't believe that I work with you every day and don't know that about you it's yeah. almost like a sense of guilt because um, we're all little we yeah because we're all people and i try to make that like my old company again you you, you hear me talk about the dental company a lot because it has completely shifted my perspective on how work can be mm-hmm. the ceo of my old company and he was very open about it used to be an alcoholic and went through the 12-step program and he decided when he started this company that he was going to build the company on that. Like we were forced to read, not forced, but that book, Leadership and Self-Deception, that was Mm -hmm. a requirement. Like you were sent that book. It was important for him that we had to start every call with gratitudes. Every single call that you got on, every meeting, every in-person meeting, was started with 10 minutes of gratitudes and not just I'm thankful for my friends and my family. He asked you to be very intentional and very, no, what did, what did your team do for you this week? Like what was important or he was even okay with you talking about your family that week, you know, like, what are you thankful for today? And how are you going to use that to, to make your, this day even better, you know? And um, so it's just very important and mindful just to be to be thankful for the people that you work with and know that that's what we are. We're people. We're not just colleagues and workers. And, you know, we work for the same company. But like at the end of the day, we all have families and we all have problems and we all have issues. And we should support each other. I don't care what field we're working in. So, Yeah. yeah, try that icebreaker because it is crazy what I've gotten people to, to tell me in a group. <laughs> I will. I, I'd like to do it with my team at work and uh, we'll be getting a new team this year for in my MBA program. So I might suggest that too. Um, That's awesome. When we get together. So, I think I have the template so I can give it to you. <laughs> please do. Um, so before we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts or parting advice for our listeners? I mean, I think that that we've talked a lot, you know, just about my journey and there's probably not much more that I can say. It's just overall that it's just okay to be you, you know, and you don't have to change based on what you think someone else wants to hear or see. You know, you can see that I talk really personally about my business journey Mm -hmm. because it, it is to me, it was so personal. So it's okay to just be you. You know, my life has been, my path has been full of a lot of mountains, a lot of rocks. Um, I'm still, you know, coming across them. They, I know there are going to be more and I, I have made it a point to build myself a, I, I call it beautifully broken. Like I may be a broken person, but I sure as heck am still beautiful because of it. So I have a Spotify list called beautifully broken. I, you know, turn that on. I, I blast it. 
So, you know, pour myself an iced coffee, say a, <laughs> say a quick prayer, lace up my boots and just keep going. You know, I know I've seen the peak, so I know what the, the peak of the mountain looks like. But, you know, today or tomorrow I might be in a valley and I might need to work hard. So just just be strong, be you. Um, it's okay to be a strong, fierce female who isn't afraid of the future. You know, be, be proud of your journey. Yeah, I think that is the biggest takeaway for me personally, just reflecting on your entire story is I... I have such a sense of comfort right now that it's all going to be okay. And I think sometimes we just need that reassurance from someone who maybe is a little older than us or a little Mm -hmm. more experienced than us in certain areas or has struggled through something similar to what we're struggling through. Um, Like, I, I think I loved the part where you said it's okay to step away from something if it's not gonna work out for you personally and it's okay to say no and I think a lot of that I think goes back to the very beginning of the conversation where you got laid off and that was sort of the first thing in your journey where you were like shit what am I going to do now (laughs) Um, and I think when you go through something like that you realize oh well if if I can make it through that I can make it through anything and all this other little shit just doesn't even phase you anymore um and that is a really beautiful and inspiring thing to see so i really appreciate you sharing everything you did today yeah thank you so much for having me i read something the other day that said you know whatever whatever um you're going through today you've never not made it to tomorrow so Mm. it's like you may feel like you may be broken you may feel broken you may be broken but I promise you, you can make it to tomorrow and tomorrow's a new day. So, um, I just live my life that way. <laughs> Love that. Okay. I'm going to stop recording now. Mic drop. Wow. So Kristen and I, KJ just finished talking for like another hour after we finished recording all the off the record stuff. So thank you guys for tuning in. Um, I'm headed to Seattle this week and I will have a new episode that will be recorded while I'm out there. I'm actually meeting a remote coworker I've known for over five years and have never met in person. So we will be discussing all things remote work and she's agreed to share her fertility journey with us that she has balanced and navigated throughout building her career as a nurse practitioner, rising into leadership positions, and also moving multiple times across the U.S. for her husband's job. So until next time, guys, thanks for tuning in.